Won't you hold up your Bible and say, this is God's Word? God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. I made you do that today for a reason. Because the story I'm about to read you uh, requires some faith. It requires your confidence in God's Word and not your inquiring, doubting uh, dimension. Because sometimes we just have to believe God's Word as it is written to us. I want to speak today on the Lord, our Restorer. The Lord, our Restorer. Now, I know that after the rugby yesterday, we do need some restoration. (laughs) And um, it did take my breath away. But uh, I'm not talking about that form of restoration. I'm talking about restoration in our own hearts and in our own minds and in what God wants to do. This has been a place of restoration. And so I trust that that restoration will continue today. If you will turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20... We're going to read the first 11 verses. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. It's the story of a man by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. And he was, uh, there are a lot of positive things about Hezekiah. He wasn't fault-free, but he was one of the, perhaps arguably, one of the best kings of Judah. And uh, a good man at that. And it deals with something that he went through. And it's, for me, a remarkable story, in Hez- in, not in Hezekiah, in 2 Kings 20, from verse 1 to verse 11. In those days, when Sennacherib first invaded Judah, Hezekiah became deathly ill. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came and said to him, Thus says the Lord... Set your house in order, for you shall die and not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Please, O Lord, remember now with compassion how I have walked before you in faithfulness and truth, and with a whole heart entirely devoted to you, and have done what is good in your sight." And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the courtyard, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I am healing you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and save you and the city Jerusalem from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will protect this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs. And they brought it and they placed it on the painful inflammation and he recovered. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will completely heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? Isaiah said, this will be the sign to you from the Lord 
that he will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow, indicating the time of day, go forward ten steps, or shall it go backward ten steps? Hezekiah answered, It is easy for the shadow to go forward ten steps. No, but let the shadow turn backward ten steps. So Isaiah the prophet called out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow on the steps ten steps backwards, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. What an amazing story. Did you know a story like this existed? It's a very unusual story. And for me, it has some wonderful things that we can learn from the story. And so as we unravel those, I trust that some are going to have a bearing on your situation. The first thing I noticed is that the nature of life is unpredictable. The nature of life is unpredictable. I've experienced that in my own life. That one day was one day and then things changed. How many of you have had a a one day? You see, Hezekiah was a good man, one of the greatest kings, and he achieved great things. In fact, he even achieved some phenomenal engineering wonders. He was always ready to turn to God for help, and, and God had blessed him, and he was incredibly wealthy. It speaks of tremendous wealth and riches. And he was living his life the best way he knew how, but one day things changed. Just one day things changed. And you can read about it in verse 1. It says, in those days, it doesn't, it just says in, in that moment, when Sennacherib first invaded Judah, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And so we have the situation, everything was going fine. And uh, here it is in the middle of all this that he suddenly becomes deathly ill. But the problem is that this illness didn't come at a good time because the nation was being attacked. He was the king and and it wasn't coming at a good time because it says that they were being invaded. So it wasn't a good time. Now, how many of you have discovered that things happen and generally when they happen, not the best time. I mean, you can get sick just before your exams. For the youth, that might be wonderful, but you know, something can, it's just not a good time. Here in this moment, the nation is under attack and suddenly the king gets ill and he needed to be strong for the nation. And now suddenly things changed in his personal life and he's dealing with this this illness. You see, the very nature of the lives we live are unpredictable. And I want to say life is unpredictable, but God is good. Now you're supposed to say all the time. (laughs) And all the time? That's right. Life is unpredictable, but God is good. Life is unpredictable, 
but God can be completely depended on. Life is unpredictable, but the Lord is our restorer. Life is unpredictable, but God is always faithful. And so that's the first thing I see. The second thing I see is, is a lesson we must learn, and that is keep your house in order. Keep your house in order. You see, the prophet arrives and he comes with the worst possible news, but the best possible advice. You can read it in verse 1. It says, the prophet Isaiah came and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not recover. It means the worst possible news with the best possible advice. And my advice to you today is keep your house in order. You might not get the privilege that Hezekiah had of getting things in order. Now, we don't know. Were there things that weren't right? Was there things that needed to be attended to? I'm assuming because God gave the instruction that there must have been things that he needed to put right. And um, in those days, you know, these were direct words from a prophet, which was like direct from God. It was like really, really serious. Thus says the Lord. I mean, it was like, um, you know, who of you would like to hear that? Terrible news. But this advice set your house in order. And that's why I'm so glad so many people gave their lives to the Lord and set their house in order. Well done to you guys for setting your houses in order. Keep your house in order. That's my encouragement to you. Keep your house in order. That's the best thing we could ever do. And I want to encourage you, don't wait for a later stage. Live a righteous life now. Do the right thing now. Stay on the straight and narrow now. Live a life that honors God every day now. Do it now. The third thing I saw was this incredible component of prayer and the changes that it brought. And sometimes we say prayer changes things, but it's like glib. We've got to believe it. Prayer changes things. And in this difficult situation, Hezekiah turns to God. And, and when you and I face difficult situations, we can do the same thing. We can turn to God. In verse 2, it says, Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. I see in this, obviously, he must have had a, a personal relationship with God. He needed divine intervention, and he, needed, he knew who to turn to. And when you need divine intervention, when you need a miracle, you can turn to the Lord as well. But it's interesting, this phrase, that he turned his face to the wall. And I, I, I don't know why he did that. As I've read and researched a little bit, it seems like because he was ill, he, he couldn't go somewhere, but he needed a bit of privacy. And so what he did is he looked away from perhaps all his carers and everybody who was attending to him, and he just looked away at the wall. And it reminds me of what Jesus said. He said, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So maybe he was just taking a moment 
Just taking that moment. Another interesting thing I see is he prayed for himself. Oftentimes when we get sick, we want everybody else to pray for us. And that's good. But you can pray for yourself. Did you know that you can pray for yourself? It's not selfish. You can pray for yourself. And sometimes we want some person, maybe Catherine Kuhlman or some famous person to, you know, pray for us. And, and, and that's great. But you can pray for yourself. He prays in this situation, and this is his prayer. He says, please, O Lord, remember now with compassion how I have walked before you faithful, in faithfulness and truth with a whole heart devoted to you and have done what is good in your sight. That's the prayer he prayed. Now, at face value, it looks a bit self-righteous. But I think the essence of it was that he was saying something like this. Lord, I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to live in a way that pleases you. Please remember me now with compassion. I think that's, that's what his prayer was. And then it says, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Brokenhearted. And sometimes it's not the length of the prayer that matters, but rather the weight of the prayers. He wept bitterly. The next thing I see, point number four, is that God can turn any, any situation around. This was an impossible situation. It was a death sentence. And on top of it, Hezekiah had no children. He had no heirs. What's the good of a king without an heir? Normally they want an heir and despair. He's got no heir. So here you've got this, this double situation. And perhaps in his own mind, Hezekiah realized this, just this magnitude of the situation that was going on. The nation was being attacked. He was sick. There was no heir. It's the worst possible situation for a king to be in. But in the midst of this, he, he cries out to the Lord and he prays. And then everything changes. I mean, it's like the story was going in this direction and now it's going in that direction. Look in verse 4 and 5. It says, Before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the courtyard. I mean, he's leaving. He's halfway through the courtyard. He's not even back at home. He's just out the door. And it says, The word of the Lord came to him saying, Go back and tell Hezekiah. And then he says, The leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. Now he adds this. He says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. I'm here today to tell you God has heard your prayers. And he's seen your tears. And then he says, behold, I am healing you. There's a process. Behold, I am healing you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. So the prophet was on his way out. He was probably thinking, well, I've delivered that message. Let me just get out of here as quickly as possible. Um, and let me just get home, you know. But everything changes. And God sends him back with the best news ever. Sends him back with the best news ever. And I want to say, never underestimate your calling on God and your prayers to God. I, I, I think that prophet must have been so confused. He must have thought, ah, did I hear wrong? But no, God was in control. 
And this issue is that Hezekiah was a descendant of David. And this is a very important fact that I'll address in a moment. In verse 6, it goes on and says, I will add 15 years to your life and save you and the city Jerusalem from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will protect this city for my own namesake and for my servant David's sake. This thing comes in again. Notice that. The issue was that years before, God had made a promise to David. And so God wasn't only healing a sick man. God wasn't only saving a nation. But he was also being faithful to the promises he had made to those who had gone before. Because Hezekiah was part of the plan. The next thing I notice, point number five, is do the possible and leave the impossible to God. Do the possible and leave the impossible to God. I love this phrase. Because sometimes we think we mustn't even do the possible. Sometimes we just think, no, leave it. No, we must do the possible. And in verse 7, it says, Then Isaiah said, Bring a cake of figs. And they brought it and placed it on the painful inflammation, and he recovered. Now, why figs? No one knows. It's like one of those instructions that you just don't understand. It was like that, that uh, army leader who had leprosy, and, and the, he was told to go and bathe in the water seven times, and he thought, no, that's ridiculous. We've got better rivers where I come from. Yeah, they, they, he says, go and fetch these, these figs and put it on the wound. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's some wonderful healing quality in figs. I don't know. But they obeyed. They did what was possible. They did what they were instructed to do. And I want to encourage you to do the same. And Hezekiah then goes on in verse 8, and he says, now he wants, I mean, he's, this is just recovered. Every, it's, it's recovered according to the scripture. Now he wants a sign. I mean, if you haven't had a sign, well, then I don't know what. But anyway, he still wants a sign. And he says, what will be the sign that the Lord will completely heal me? And that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. So he had done the possible. He had seen the start of the miracle. But now he's wanting reassurance. And don't, aren't we like that sometimes? Eh? Just one more confirmation, Lord. Oh, Lord, just one more confirmation. It's good. But don't give up a long route. And then God offers him this phenomenal sign. It's in verse 9. Isaiah said, this will be the sign to you from the Lord that he will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow, indicating the time of day, go forward 10 steps or backward 10 steps? Now, it seems like what they had is a, an old-fashioned sundial. I remember years ago when my dad was building the church in Anderson Street, we bought a piece of property off the back of the Brook House property. It's a beautiful home in, in Brook Street. And they had a sundial on a plinth. It was a beautiful thing. And I remember my dad explaining to me how it worked and how the shadow, I could read the time and I could tell the time from the sundial. They had this massive thing that had like steps. And so the, the shadow would move down the steps and that's how they would know what the time was. 
So this is like a, an old-fashioned, very early type of clock that they could tell the time with. And so God says, well, do you want the shadow to move ahead on the clock or behind on the clock? And you know what Hezekiah, he gives Hezekiah this choice. And, 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 and Hezekiah, you know, he thinks, no, I'm going mm, to make it difficult for God. You know? And he says in verse 10, he says, it's easy for the shadow to go that way because that's the way the sun goes. So that's easy. It would have happened anyway. So make the sun go in the other direction. Make the shadow go in the other direction. Make it go backwards. It's easy for the shadow to go forward 10 steps. No, let the shadow turn backward 10 steps. So his choice for me is interesting. He wanted every doubt to be removed. So he asked that the shadow or the sun would move backwards. And this obviously was more unlikely, so that's what he was looking for. And in that moment, God did a great miracle and moved the shadow backwards. In verse 11, it says, So Isaiah the prophet called out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow on the ten steps, on the steps, ten steps backward, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. It went backwards. God turned the clock back. It's a wonderful thought. Now, either we just believe what the Bible says, or we come up with some alternative arrangement. But that's what it says. He turned the clock back. And it was just a sign. It was just a sign that the king would be healed. That's all it was. And also a sign that the nation would no longer would have the victory. And I want to say that God can turn the clock back in your situation. If he can do it for Hezekiah. And perhaps you have things that you look back on and you wish you could just have the time over. Just turn back the clock. Well, I want to, I want to declare to you, God is a clock-turning-back God. I don't know if there's such a phrase. But he's a clock-turning-back God. And there's some things I've written down here that I believe are areas in which he wants to turn back the clock. He can turn back the clock on the shadow of lost opportunities. Maybe you had opportunities. They came right past your nose. You missed them. He can turn back the clock on the shadow of mistakes you've made. We've all made mistakes. He can turn back the clock on the shadow of wasted time. Maybe you just wasted time. He can turn back the clock on the shadow of happier days. Maybe you can think of an era of your life, those were the heydays. He can give you some more heydays. The best can yet be. And you know what? He can turn back the clock on the shadow of lost loved ones. Because one day we will see them again if they too followed Christ. But I believe he can also turn back the shadow of ill health. He 
You can give us youth like the eagles. And he can restore to us. It says in Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust and the consuming locust and the cutting locust, my great army which I sent among you. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. God can do it. God can turn back the clock. He can make the remaining years so wonderful. He can do such wonderful things. And we can, we can look forward to that. And finally, I want to remind you that the Lord is your restorer. The Lord is your restorer. You see, he knew exactly what he was doing. The issue was he had made a promise to David that out of David's line would eventually come the Messiah. And Hezekiah was in the lineage of Jesus. So he had to live. He had to produce an heir. Otherwise, the line would have been broken. God knew exactly what he was doing. Now, he had a son by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh came to the throne at 12 years of age, which means... In all likelihood, Hezekiah got his 15 years. And Manasseh was not a good king. He did lots of bad things. And some people say that perhaps it would be better if Hezekiah's prayer had not been answered because Manasseh did so much damage. But God had a bigger plan. God knew exactly. Because one day, his plan for all humanity would be born from that same lineage. Had to be. The Lord was making sure that his eternal plans and promises would be fulfilled. God knew that there was a bigger plan and he stepped into the situation and restored it so that his promise to David and his plan for humanity would come to pass. And in the same way, the Lord is your restorer and he knows the bigger plan and wants to restore you so that his plans and purposes will prevail through your life. The Lord is our restorer. And for me, the greatest thing is that in a sense, he moved heaven and earth to do it. God moved heaven and earth for Hezekiah. Because you can't just move one element of the solar system. You have to move everything to achieve what happened. And I often wondered where that phrase comes, move heaven and earth. Maybe you've used it. I'll move heaven and earth to be there for your birthday party. Or I will move heaven and earth to do this or that. I wondered where that phrase came from. I can't find, I can't yet properly trace it. But I wonder if it doesn't come all the way back to Hezekiah, where God moved heaven and earth. And I wonder if God doesn't want to move heaven and earth for some people here today. The obstacles look horrendous. The challenges look overwhelming 
And what is it for God to move the shadow? He is your restorer. So lift up your eyes to the one from whom your help comes. He is your restorer, and he is more faithful than the rising sun. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are our great restorer, that you have a plan and a purpose, that you hear our prayers and the cries of our hearts, that you want to restore. And I pray, Lord, that many people's lives would be restored today, that as they go out, they would...